So if we own 20% of a company and at the end of the year they've made $100,000 in profit, we get a check for 20 grand. If five years from now they decide to sell, let's say they, they sell for a million dollars, I'm gonna get a check for $200,000. That's how you can own equity in lots and lots of different businesses without having to run any of them on your own. Welcome to the Marketing Boost Solutions Podcast. Join host Marco Torres, co-founder of MarketingBoost.com, along with expert guests as they deliver incredible proven solutions to your marketing challenges in each power-packed episode. Captain Marco has guided thousands of entrepreneurs, growing their sales and marketing through the use of value-add incentives. His Facebook groups are home to more than 84,000 entrepreneurs who are raking in sales with his advice. Get ready to be blown away with game-changing lessons for your business. Welcome to another episode of the Marketing Boost Solutions Podcast. I'm here to bring you some content that's going to be exciting today. Uh, I've got a great guest, Marty Fonke, who's a seasoned world-class marketer with over 30 years of experience in growing and scaling businesses and over 20 years of experience in mergers and acquisitions. In that time, Marty has helped businesses scale to over $1 billion in revenue and executed over $450 million in mergers and acquisition transactions. That's something that really has got my attention. I'm looking forward to learning from Marty about uh, when to sell your business and so forth. As a sell-side advisor, Marty helps business owners get a top valuation for their business, get a, you know get the most money for their business. He also works as a side a buy side advisor. Marty helps focusing uh, Marty focuses on helping companies execute a growth through acquisition strategy which is quite different than most people think about. So Marty, say hello. Hey, hello, everybody. Marco, thanks for having me. Thanks for that great introduction. I am excited to be here and share some information that will hopefully people uh, will find interesting and beneficial and inspiring. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Marty, let's start with how did you, uh, how did you get to the point and get into the, the realm of uh, uh, mergers and acquisitions that's you know not something everybody gets involved with everyone's you know, building their business but your unique area is is uh, not as uh, at least it's for most of us I would think it's a lot a lot of opportunity to learn from where how'd you get into that yeah thanks for asking and uh, you know we were talking a little bit before the show about who who most of your audience is and and your audience is exactly who I have been most of my life, a small business entrepreneur um, with, uh, you know, coming up with great ideas or some business ideas, starting it and uh, and hopefully being successful with it. Sometimes I've been more successful than other times, but um, long ago, about 20, it's been about 23 years ago now, uh, uh, two buddies of mine and I um, came, uh, formed a partnership and we brought a product to market. And one of the guys was kind of the idea guy and he got the patent and handled a lot of the operations and and the other guy was the the logistics guy and handling um shipping and all that kind of stuff and I was the marketing guy and so we formed a little a little little business and uh, it was as grassroots as they come Marco we actually started the business on Saturday mornings at our local parks it was a, it was a soccer training device and we would go with our kids to the parks and we would uh, set up a little table and we would have our kids demonstrate it and we would sell the item at the parks and uh, to kind of do a proof of concept. And we found out that it worked really, really well and people were really excited to buy it. And so we took it to the next level. Um, we put it on television through direct response television. And then we put it on QVC. Uh, QVC did so well. They put it on QVC Japan. It wound up in Brazil. It wound up in Mexico. And uh, 18 months later, um, we got an offer from somebody out of the blue for a million and a half dollars to buy the business. And we were like, I was a young guy and uh, that was a lot of money. And I said, uh, we have said, okay, let's do it. And so that was my first experience with mergers and acquisitions. We didn't negotiate. We didn't, uh, uh, there were so many things we didn't do. Um, we, uh, <laughs> but, but, but we, we felt like it was all the money in the world uh, at that time. And that was my first taste of it. Um, was was literally starting a business with with a couple of friends and then and then uh, it got acquired um, and uh, since that time you know you were talking some numbers earlier you know I've done 
uh, a billion dollars in sales, which is which is accurate, well over a billion dollars, and I've done four hundred fifty million dollars in mergers and acquisitions, which is also accurate. But I was thinking about the fact that a lot of that has been, you know, a million dollars at a time or three million dollars at a time or whatever. It's not like I've had a lot of like massive big wins. Like it's been primarily entrepreneurial. Uh, businesses that um, we've bought and sold and grown and scaled, um, just like just like everybody else uh, who might be listening to your show might be in the same position. Yeah, that's interesting because you know typically, at least in, when I think of mergers and acquisitions, you know I'm thinking who is Chase Bank buying, who is uh, you know Pfizer and so on and so forth. And in one of your podcasts, I was listening to that the majority of the mergers and acquisitions are small businesses that are buying up others or selling, you know, to grow by acquisition and so on. And that's really one direction I've never even considered, really. So that is exactly right. And I, that's why I'm excited to talk to you and talk to your listeners about that, because most people do think of that. They think, oh, it's a, it's for the Wall Street crowd. It's for the big investment bankers. It is not. You can you can do extremely well with mergers and acquisitions as an individual, as a small business, as an entrepreneurial business. There's lots of ways that that the concept of mergers and acquisitions can benefit you exponentially, just like it benefit, benefits the big boys that you read about in the headlines. Now, years ago, my family and I, we owned, uh, we had launched five restaurants in five years in the Caribbean, wow. in the Caribbean down in Puerto Rico. And we had the the fast food courts uh, locked down in the island. And when uh, Taco Bell went in on the island, we were approaching the end of our leases and found it was the perfect time to sell. So we got out and and made a good sale uh, sell to Taco Bell to buy our fast food Mexican restaurants. We own the, you know, we had the, the exclusivity of Mexican food in the food court, so right. they had to buy us to get in. And we didn't do we didn't we didn't do bad, but we probably could have done better if we'd had someone like you advising us on uh, selling. But in our case, it was like we knew our leases were coming up, and the malls were probably going to prefer to get the big chain company over allowing us to renew our leases. So it was a risk we'd end up with nothing if we didn't sell. <laughs> and Marco, know, can they... I address that because that is exactly a point that I want to make to to people, which is that most of the time businesses are sold because of some um some some substantial event right it could be your leases are going up it could be you want to retire it could be a divorce it could be a partnership gone bad um, it could be a financial calamity it could be a health issue most of the time that small and medium businesses go on the market it is because of something that's prompted the the transaction and one of the points that i want to make is that um, if you do it, if, if you are a business owner and you decide to sell because of something that's kind of forcing you to do it or encouraging you to do it, and you don't have a lot of time and planning behind it, you are going to hurt yourself. You're going to get less money for the business. You're not going to get the maximum value you can. And that is why I want to encourage every business owner to start to think about what would this business look like if I had to sell it today? And what would it look like if I want to sell it two years from now, three years from now, et cetera? Um, as, an, as an advisor, people call me all day long and say, hey, Marty, I want to sell my business. How much can I get for it? And 99% uh, of the time, they want to sell it right then and there. And if they would have called me a year in advance or two years in advance, those numbers would be massively higher because we can work with a business owner to help them position the business so that it's going to sell the fastest and easiest and for the highest amount of money. But when somebody calls me and said, oh, we just realized our, our lease is up. And so we want to sell before Taco Bell comes in and takes it over. You're kind of under pressure, right? You've weakened your negotiating stance. And so the best time to, to, to contact someone like me is two to three years in advance to make sure your business is positioned properly. Yeah, I was listening to you talk on one of your other podcasts, and it was uh, you were referring to forget the industry. Um, I guess they were interior designers and what have you, and uh, you were referring to uh, you know staging your business for sale, just like you do your home. Exactly. Or, yeah, and uh, this is, I guess, what you're talking about is preparing yourself 
setting the business up so that it looks phenomenal, you know, in all the different, talk about that for a minute. What do you mean by staging your business for properly for just Yeah. It? So staging a business, if, if it, let's talk about what staging a home is first for context. So when you get ready to sell your home, a real estate agent might come in and say, okay, well, you need to do this. You need to clear out your clutter. You need to upgrade the the carpets maybe, or you need, you know, um, uh, right down to sometimes they tell you bake, you know, bake chocolate chip cookies, uh, you know, right before your open house. So the smell of cookies is, is fills the home, right? That's all part of staging, staging a home, making it look its absolute best for prospective buyers and staging a business is very much similar. So um, that could be uh, making sure your financials are up to snuff, that they're clean, uh, uh, smaller businesses, especially, tend to have commingled financials where you got a lot of personal expenses in there and whatnot. You pull those out, get the business running clean, so it's a pu it's purely business expenses on your on your P and L. Um, making sure your processes and procedures are documented, so that when you hand the business to somebody else, they have a written document. Uh, for every process that the business goes through, the sales process, the fulfillment process, et cetera, the more documentation you have, the better value you're going to get and the more buyers are going to going to be interested in it. Um, locking up um, locking up long-term um, contracts can be good. You talked about this this lease situation with your restaurants in um, in the Caribbean. Um, I, and again, I wasn't there. I don't know the, the exact situation, but I'm curious what would have happened if you would be long before you, you know, the second you, you smelled Taco Bell sniffing around, right, you knew they were coming, what would have happened if if you would have gone to the food courts and tried aggressively to get some long-term leases, rather than knowing your leases were coming up way in advance, if you would have locked up some long-term leases, how much more would Taco Bell have paid you to take over those leases versus just taking over those empty slots that you'd left behind with the leases ending? Would that have made a difference? Yeah, it could have made a huge difference. I mean, we had seven-year leases when we went in. When we were, by the time we were selling Taco Bell, we probably had a year and a half left on those leases. And, uh, you know, it was, in our mind, it was like, okay, yeah, we probably should have, if we'd had the right advice, re-upped the, the, or tried to re-up the leases in advance. Now when Taco Bell comes in, look, we still have seven years, or now another eight years on these leases left. So you, uh, you know, you're gonna have to buy us out at a pretty penny. That's right. Or or wait seven more years. You know. Right. So, so if you would have called me two years before you were ready to sell, I would have said, "When's your lease due?" And you would have said, "Well, it's in, it's due in, or it's end up in three years." And uh, we would have looked at, okay, let's go in and let's see if we can negotiate for a really good long-term long-term lease plan because the strength of those leases, that is a, something that on on brick and mortar businesses, the acquirers are going to look at. That's a big sticking point is what you know what's going to happen with the real estate. They want to know that the leases lease rates are locked in at a good low rate, you know now, especially with prices of real estate and leases going up. Uh, not so much commercial office space, which is you know a wasteland right now, but most a lot of retail space and good commercial space like food courts, uh, a lot of those rates are going up. And so an acquirer is going to look at that and say, "Ooh, you locked in a really nice rate for a long term. That's a premium we're going to pay you extra for." So that's an example of staging the business, the finances, the personnel, the processes, um, the uh, the the um, tools and resources that the business has. Um, you want to look through all of that and make sure, look at it from the eyes of a prospective buyer. Is something you, you do with that business going to make it worth less or worth more? And a lot of times you can't see it as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. A lot of times you're so focused on just keeping the business running, right? Keeping the keeping the doors open and the lights on and the, and, the, and the paychecks flowing. It can be very difficult to take a step back from that business and look at it and say, oh, here's five things I, I could be doing to um, to make my business worth more when I'm ready to sell it, you know, three years from now. It's not something most people have the time, energy, or creativity to do. And that's where uh, a great business advisor can help. Another thing I think people I've personally experienced is that you kind of put your passion into building and growing that business. And in your own mind, it's, it's like, this is, not, I have no intentions of selling this. And, uh, and so you're, it's not, not even a, in the, you know, a lot of people build a business with the purpose of, you know, having and creating an out at some time down the road. But I think the majority of people build it and they get into it. It's their passion and selling it is not even something they're considering until 
the situation comes up as you mentioned the divorce the the partnership disaster the lease ending the you know other situations that are starting to pop up when should an owner really start you know considering selling their business when should they put in that thought process yeah like i said if you if you have a business right now and you're thinking ah i i have zero interest in selling i know that i'm going to stay here and run this business for the next 20 years um there's still value in positioning your business as if it's for sale because if you do the things that a buyer is going to look at it's going to help your business even if you never sell it you know getting your books clear that's the number one thing i see i'm going to keep i'm going to keep saying this over and over because the number one problem i see with entrepreneurial business is is books that are a mess financials that are a mess getting those cleaned up and organized is uh, a huge issue with most businesses and so having it in a position where a buyer would the, the your finances in a in a position where a buyer would be interested in looking at and buying your business is going to help you as the owner to manage your business more carefully i can't tell you how many business owners i i see that just really don't understand their financials so just having that understanding is going to help your business also some of the decisions that you make about i i just had a, a call earlier this morning with somebody it was like should i be outsourcing this particular area of my business or should i hire for this particular area of my business those types of decisions you're going to look at differently if they well if i was a if i was a fresh-faced new owner of this business what would i want to see with this particular scenario and then making those decisions from a different perspective so even if you have no intention of selling the process or act of selling can improve your business dramatically. Let's talk about back to back to the home staging thing. Um, it is not uncommon for somebody to uh, put their house up on the market, call a realtor, get get all the information about staging it. They make the repairs they need to make. They touch up the paint. They clean up the yard. They do all the things to stage the business, and then they look around and go, "You know, this place isn't half bad. I think we'll just stay." It happens. It really does happen. Why? Because they fixed it up again and made it look nice. And, and now they're they're happier there than they realized they were. It's the same process with getting a business ready for, for the market. Even if you never sell, you will have a cleaner, better run, more efficient business with better documentation, better financials, uh, a better snapshot of how your business is operating. And you will be a better owner because you will have reinvigorated that pride of ownership. Yeah. One of the things I heard you talk about previously was... Um... How the business, if the business depends on you, which you may be proud of, this business, I am irreplaceable. This is my my bread and butter. This is my passion. This is my business. However, if the business depends on you, it's less valuable. So, right. Yeah. The quote. The quote is. The quote is. The more valuable you are to your business, the less valuable your business is. And, and that's that basically, if you, if you are your business, if you're a sole proprietor and you're out going and doing business um, and, and, you know, let's say, um, let's talk about a, a, an electrician, which is a, a, an industry I happen to have a lot of experience working in electrical, plumbing, uh, HVAC. If you're an electrician and you have, you have a typical electrician's business where people call you, you go out and fix their stuff. And, uh, you know, you make good money, you make a great living. Anybody in the trades right now is doing really, really well. And I encourage anybody that doesn't know what they want to do with their life to go into the trades because it's, it's a great place. But uh, the reality is, as a business itself, it really isn't a business, it's a person. And that's something that's kind of not sellable, because the person who owns and operates that business is the business. To make that a business that has meaningful value for somebody else to acquire the owner needs to be able to have stepped out of that business and have hired techs to go do the work and hired a schedule who, scheduler and billing person who's back at the office and, and built a business that, that that owner could leave for some period of time, if not forever, and the business would still go on. Now, this ties back to what we just talked about a few minutes ago with like, when should you, you know, start planning for a sale? Well, if that owner is looking at, uh, if, they, if they're very integral to their business, and the business can't operate without them. And they start working with us to say, okay, these are the steps you need to take to make your business so that it's it's sellable in five years or 10 years or when you want to retire or whenever that is. That's some of the process. And so what's going to happen is you as a business owner are going to have to take your business from, I work 60 hours a week out in the field to I work 10 hours a week in the office 
just making sure the business is running smoothly because I have it all systematized. I have the right people in place and the business can run without me. And the rest of the time I can go fishing. So even if you never sell, again, your business is infinitely more strong, stable, profitable, and enjoyable to own, regardless of whether you ever sell it. But you can get all that way by preparing it to be sold. Exactly. And then you might decide, as you mentioned before, you might say, you know what, I don't need to sell it. I'm actually enjoying my life. I'm semi-retired. I'm fishing. I'm traveling and this and that and the other. And the business is paying the bills and beyond may continuing to make money for me. And so why bother or why yep. sell it? Um, but if you're elite, and if you needed to, you know, you could, or if something happened to you, your wife could sell it or what have you. And uh, it's, Oh, you well, you just mentioned something. I, I, I'm dealing with a situation right now down in Oklahoma where it was that situation. It was a, an owner. There's a couple of employees, but the owner was very key to the business. Um, he passed away and the widow and the owner's son are trying to deal with it. And the reality is it's not a business. It's it's barely something that can be sold and has almost no value. And they had thought, and 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 the gentleman who passed away had thought as a family that the business would have a certain value based on they'd heard somewhere that it would be worth three times the revenues. It's not worth three times the revenues. It's worth maybe one time the profits. And they'd had misinformation all this time. And now they had this business that, you know, he passed away. They thought they had an asset that could be sold to support the family. And the reality is it's, it's worth pennies. And because they didn't have this information, they didn't have this planning. Yeah. So, Speaking of that, let's talk about how do you define the the, the value of a business? You know, how do uh, how how does our listeners out there know what their business is worth? Yeah, so there's with and I'm going to re relate to real estate a lot because you you brought that up and it's a great way for people to kind of correlate. So in in real estate with a house, you know, they they go and they do comps and they find the the houses that are similar nearby and they look at the square footage and they do these calculations and they come up with a number and and they give that number to the bank and the bank says this is the value and that's how much they'll loan you for it. Businesses are different. Businesses they're because of the the nuances and the and the number of uh, uh, different things that can happen in a business. There is no set number. There is no one number that you can go and say this is the value. Businesses are valued based on a number of different things. Um, first of all, how it's calculated. It can be calculated on the revenue, which is the total amount of money the business is bringing in. Some businesses, you can you can make that happen. Other businesses are calculated on the profit. And the profit could be, even that has definitions that could be different depending on the size and type of a business. So it could be called EBITDA, which some people may have heard of, earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, and amortization, EBITDA. Or in smaller businesses, the profit is often called SDE or seller's discretionary earnings. And essentially what that is on smaller business businesses where the owner may be receiving um, monetary benefits from the business that aren't directly salary related. So the, the business might be paying all of their health insurance and all of their car payments and uh, their cell phone, you know, everything. Else. And so combined, how much is the is the discretionary earnings and the total earnings of the of the owner? And then there are industry multiples out there that you can you can research. You can you can Google you know, current acquisition industry multiples for whatever my business is, whether it's, you know, a restaurant, whether it's a gas station, whether it's plumbing, et cetera. And you can start to get some ideas of what your business might be worth if you want to get a rough idea. Um, certainly um, bringing an advisor in to do a professional valuation um, is, is, uh, is of benefit. Um, when we do a professional valuation, we don't, again, we don't ever give a single number we give a range. We say, okay, the business is worth somewhere between this number and this number. And there's a variety of factors that may impact it, including, do you want all cash when the buyer shows up? Do you want, I mean, 100% of the money in your pocket day one, or are you open to seller financing or earn out, which is mean some of your money may come over time. There could be as much of a 30% swing in valuation, depending on the terms that you offer. So we'll give a range and say at the at the at the lowest price it's worth this, meaning sell it tomorrow for cash, and at the highest range it's worth this, meaning you have very flexible terms and uh, time to wait for just the right buyer to come along. So we, we'll we'll give out a range when we do a professional 
price valuation. But there are lots of resources that you can go and plug in um, and get a, at least get an idea of what your business is worth. And always run more than one formula. Always run revenue-based, always run at least a revenue-based and a profit-based. There's a number of other formulas as well that include um, gross profit. Um, then, of course, if you've got inventory and equipment, you know, that that has to be factored in. Uh, if you've got, you know, lots of vehicles or if you've got real estate that's tied to it, that's all um, that's all got to be added in as well. So it's a complex formula and there's not there's no one answer. There's no anybody that gives you one number for the value of your business is probably doing you a disservice because that's that's just not realistic. Right. And then uh, and then there's the, the, the question of reaching certain thresholds. Mm -hmm. uh, if I understand correctly. So in other words, if your business is doing less than a million a year uh, and it's going to be calculated by profit or what have you, it, it changes dramatically once you get over a million. So if you're at a million five, you know, your your uh, evaluation can be substantially more. And if you're over five million, it's going to be like 15 times more or something along those lines. Uh, can you define that a little bit? With that yeah, absolutely. So... That is absolutely true. So the size of your business can affect the multiple you're going to get. So let me, I'll give you a quick example. Um, and we'll stick with the, we'll stick with our electrician business because that's what we've been using for so far. So you got an electrician. Uh, he's, he's one guy, he's out there making 300,000 bucks a year, um, has a nice business, has a nice life. You know, he has, he makes good money, probably doesn't have a nice lifestyle because he's probably working 80, 80 hours a week, but that business is worth um, less than one times multiple of the profit. So let's say he's making $300,000 gross and he's bringing home $100,000 in, in take-home pay and after all of his expenses. And that business, if he just tried to sell it today, would be worth less than one-time profit, which is less than $100,000, okay? Now let's take that same business and he goes out and he, he hires some techs or, we're gonna talk about this later, he acquires a couple of other businesses just like his. And he grows that business. And so now it's doing $2 million a year in gross revenues. It has a team. It has systems in place. And the profit on that is, is $1 million. Well, let me, let me jump it out. That, that's unrealistic. $3 million a year in revenues. And the profit on it is $1 million. Okay. Now that has become a business worth probably three and a half times profit. So that $1 million in profit times three and a half EBITDA or three and a half valuation, that's a business worth three and a half million dollars. Okay. Now take that same business and grow it again to the next level, get it up to doing $15 million a year in revenue and $5 million in profit. Now you're going to catch the interest of what's called PE or private equity. That level, they're looking to roll up and consolidate your business into. That's the, that's when the Taco Bells of the world start coming to looking for you, right? That business now could be worth seven times profit. So you went from worth less than one times profit to bringing it up here to worth three and a half times profit to bringing it up here. Now it's worth seven times profit. So if your profit on that is five million, now that business is suddenly worth $35 million. And so the higher your volume, the higher your revenues, the higher your profits, the higher your multiples could go. And there's usually trigger points at the at the ones, ones, threes, and fives. So you get over a million dollars, you're going to see some some difference. You get over three million dollars, you're going to see some difference. Five million dollars, you're going to see some difference. And then it kind of kind of jumps up to nine. There's there's this no man's land between five and nine million dollars. Uh, you get it over nine or ten. Now you start get, start to get into areas that are really exciting, and that business might be worth ten times profit or even twelve times profit or more, depending on the industry. Wow, wow, that's pretty that's pretty exciting for you know as gold marks to reach and say that we need to grow and acquire. You started to touch on it, so let's talk about the idea of ways to grow your business, which is not typical by acquisition, versus you know. Most of us, I think, would think, well, I need to, I need to do more marketing. I need to hire more people. I need to grow, you know, grow the sales and then grow the fulfillment. And you know, you're just banging the door with your same brand versus the idea of looking for what is currently your competitor or uh, somebody out there that similar business or the same that you might go and acquire. And so, talk about that and how 
How can people do that without emptying the bank? What a perfect segue to that, because that is that is um, something I wanted to talk about. So um, acquiring a business and growing your business by acquisition is something that I wish I had learned about earlier. Now, I'm a marketing guy at heart. I love marketing. I've been marketing for over 30 years. I've crafted and conceived some of the most incredible campaigns that have done tens of millions of dollars. I love marketing more than I love anything else in the world. But I didn't realize for several years of, of my career that there could be an easier way. And what I learned is that the easier way can be acquisitions. And let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let's talk about, well, I kind of touched on it already with our electrician example. We'll just, we'll just stick with this guy. So he's, he's got like a little business, one or two employees. Let's say he's doing a half a million dollars a year in revenue. Okay. So how is he going to double his business? If he wants to double, how's he going to do that? He's going to, do postcards. He's going to pay an SEO company to drive leads on the website. He's going to, you know, obviously he's probably getting business from Angie and he's probably going to have to bid higher on Angie. He's there, There's certain ways, but there, there's a limit to how much you can do in a marketing situation to bring in more business. He might be able to, he might not, but he might spend a ton of money that he doesn't know if it's going to work or not. You get mixed results. And so if he's maximized his marketing, but he looks around and says, hmm, there's Three or, three or four other guys that, that are kind of doing what I'm doing, and I'm competing with them. Well, what if he acquired those businesses? Took What if he he took his half a million dollar business and went and bought another half a million dollar business and put them together? Now you got a million dollar business overnight. You eliminate any risk of marketing going south. You eliminate the time frame that it takes to try and grow through marketing if you want to double your business and the effort and energy and everything else. And you shortcut that and immediately you double your business. You've got the double the client base, double the employees, uh, double the revenues, double and, and more than double the profits. Why? Because they probably have some duplication of team, right? They probably, you don't need two schedulers. You don't need two people in your billing office. So you actually can double your revenue and possibly triple your profits by acquiring a business just like you. And the cool thing is the SBA has a really cool uh, loan program where if you buy a business that's identical to yours, it is not considered an acquisition. It's considered a business expansion. And just like if you went to the SBA and said, hey, SBA, I need to, I need to buy a, a new piece of machinery for my business. I need a half a million dollars to buy it. And they'll look at it and say, okay, how will this piece of machinery impact your business? And is it a good investment? And, okay, we'll lend you the money to expand your business. The SBA will also lend you the money to expand your business by acquiring your direct competitors with no money out of your pocket, not one penny. They buy, they give you the money based on the cash flow of the, the business that you're buying. So if you acquire a direct competitor to you, you can go and do that. And by the way, think big. You're a half million dollar business and your direct competitor is a $5 million business. So what? Go acquire them. If you've got good credit and your business is stable and their business is stable, the opportunity to do something like that is there. And the SBA allow it with no money down. Now, let's talk about businesses that aren't your direct competitors. Let's talk about your supply chain. Look up and down your supply chain. Who do you pay money to and who pays money to you? Any of those should be uh, of, of interest to you. Look at and say, can I acquire them? So uh, let's talk about uh, this the, our electrician guy. And um, he has a local electrical parts distributor that he buys all of his uh, electrical stuff for to do his electrical jobs. And he's a big customer of theirs. Are they potentially available for acquisition? What if he buys the company that he buys all his stuff from? What does that do to his profit margins? What does that do to his business? Now he's got, he owns his, he's selling to himself. Okay. Now you can't do that with no money out of your pocket because the SBA doesn't look at that as an expansion, but you can do that for as little as 10% down. So if that's a $5 million business, you might be able to get that business for $500,000 down. Where can you get that $500,000? $500, you can borrow against your current business. People borrow against their 401k and retirements. People borrow against their home equity. It's actually, or they get a third party to come in and, and uh, provide that down payment. And even the seller might provide that down payment. So it's conceivable that you could do a deal like that with very little money out of your pocket. And again, now you own your business. You own the business that is uh, the supplier of your business. And then look down chain and say, who do I sell to that 
I could also acquire. Maybe that business uh, sells to a, a, a general contractor that specializes in some, some certain type of construction. Maybe you buy the general contractor. So now you own the electrical supply business, you own the electrical business, and you own the general contracting business that's using all those electrical services, and you own every piece of the supply chain. That's how an empire is built, and it can be done step by step from almost nothing if you do it right. Wow, you've got me dreaming, building my empire. So right there. <laughs> With that, let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor, Marketing Boost, and we'll be right back. It's time to wow, surprise, and impress your clients with the most powerful customer draw card available anywhere. The Marketing Boost Solution Show is brought to you by Marketing Boost, where you can get valuable travel and restaurant incentives to drive your leads from prospects to paying customers. Now you can offer complimentary hotel stays in over 130 destinations worldwide. Go to marketingboostsolutions.com and try it for free right now. Well, you just heard from our sponsor, Marketing Boost. If you're looking for ways to enhance your call to action, to have uh, find ways to grow your business, Marketing Boost might just fit the bill. Travel incentives to help add value to your call to action to get people to get off the fence and buy your product or book an appointment with you or reward clients, build loyalty programs, and a whole lot more. Check out MarketingBoostSolutions.com and find out more about how travel incentives can boost your business. We're back with Marty here. We're talking about acquiring businesses to, as one of the ways most of us don't even consider acquiring businesses, mergers and acquisitions to grow your business and, and build that empire. So Marty, take it away. Continue to uh, give us some of this wisdom here. <laughs> well, actually, listening to your sponsor and and and, uh, and thinking about what Marketing Boost does, it gave me another idea, and I'll share it real quick. I just came up with this off the top of my head. So uh, another, uh, another way of acquiring a business that can be very lucrative is taking a business who maybe they have a, they have a solid business, they, they, they have good products and services, um, good team, but maybe they're not great marketers. Maybe they're struggling a little bit because they don't know how to market their business. Well, for your listeners who are part of the Marketing Boost community, they're obviously all really brilliant marketers and they've got the tools that Marketing Boost provides, et cetera. What if you went into that business and said, look, you've got a business here that's kind of flatlined. Like you haven't grown in three years because you you've you don't know how to market beyond the direct mailers you're doing or the coupons you're doing or whatever it is that they're doing. And they they don't know how to market their business. What if you went into that business and, and, and you be into that business and acquired it and using your marketing expertise, you doubled it or tripled it or quadrupled it and grew it and grew the revenues and grew the profits and using your expertise. And that's something that can be done with whatever expertise you have. I've seen businesses that are really good at marketing, but really terrible at operations who got acquired by somebody who's good at operations, who kind of pieced the two together. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll give you a case study of one we just did about a year ago. Um, uh, it was a, it was a, um, a, a, an adult, uh, an adult continence product. Okay. So this was uh, adult diapers, uh, things like that for incontinence. And um, one of the interesting things about that is that if you have that issue and you're a customer of that company, and you like their products, you're going to stick with them probably for the rest of your life. So once, they, once they're actually able to gain a customer, they hold down to that customer for years. That's the good news. The bad news is this company that I was working with, operationally, they weren't very strong. They were, they were losing money. They, were, they had customers that were debt loyal to them for potentially decades, but they were losing money on every transaction. So they knew how to market brilliantly, but they weren't good operationally and putting putting it together to make it profitable. We wound up actually selling that company to a their direct competitor. And their direct competitor was really strong operationally, but not great at marketing. They were they were having a tough time acquiring those customers. So we put those two businesses together and together with strong marketing, strong operations, made it a profitable business that's very successful to this day. So whatever your special sauce is, your special skill set might be, it could be applied to a business um, and to make it a, a target acquisition because if they're weak in that, that's something that you can bring in and make better and improve the value of that business. And even if, it, if it's something that you bolt on to your business, like we talked about 
with the supply chain, buying the electrical distributor, et cetera. Or it could just be something ancillary or tangential. Um, it could be an opportunity for you to to you know make an extra million dollars. And you know, as they say, every million dollar counts, right? Exactly. <laughs> Marty, one of the things I uh, in learning about you, I uh, understand you own yourself about 12 businesses or more. Uh, talk to me about that. I mean, that's that just seems so overwhelming to own that many multiple businesses. How the hell do you manage that? Uh, how did you come about, you know, deciding to acquire those businesses? Are they all in the same realm or different? Give us uh, some insight on how you built your empire with as you say, you know, you're sure. well, first of all, not every one of those business is wholly owned by me. So here's an, here's another little secret. And, I'll, and this kind of ties back to my earlier comments about, you know, applying your secret sauce to acquisitions. Um, sometimes you don't have to own the whole business to benefit. So um, you could come into a business and say, look, I can make, I can make your business be what it want, what you want it to be. We can help grow it together. Let's partner and joint venture. And so you might only own, 20% of the business or 30% of the business or 80% of the business. But if you don't want to own a business and have to run it too, there's a couple of things you've got to look at. So one is, does the, does the, the owner of the business, are they looking to get out and leave? Okay. Well then that means that either you're going to have to run it or you're going to have to find somebody to run it. So one of those two things has to happen. If you don't have the wherewithal to run it yourself, or you don't have anybody at your disposal to run it, then maybe that's not a good acquisition to make. But a lot of times, people are willing to sell part of their business. So they may say, "Let's let's talk about the the business that I was kind of referencing earlier." They kind of they flatlined for three years. They're kind of stuck, right? And the business owner has been trying some things, and they they've spent ten grand here and twenty grand there, and they they paid a new website person, and that didn't pan out, and they're just frustrated. But you are really good at marketing because you're a marketing boost listener. And you come into that business and say, look, here's the thing. I believe that I can take your business to where you want it to go. It's doing a million dollars this year. I think we can make it do a million and a half next year and two million the following year and three million the year after that because I know how to do marketing. So why don't we do this? Why don't we work out a deal where I will earn equity in your business as I continue to grow it? So you'll you'll pay me instead of in cash, you'll pay me in equity in that business as I bring and deliver what I say I can deliver. And it's very little risk to the current owner. And it's pretty much only upside because you are taking the risk of can you perform what you say you're going to perform. So you can jump in there. You don't have to run the business. You don't have to operate it. You can use your special skills to make that to, to make that a win-win. So a lot of the times, um, so one of the businesses I own is a marketing agency. Well, guess what? My marketing agency goes in and does deals with companies just like that. We go in and say, we can help you grow your business. We can help you scale. We can help you become more profitable. We can help you generate more revenue. Um, but we're not going to charge you a ton of cash up front, like some marketing agencies might charge you. We're going to charge you just enough to keep the lights on. But we're going to we're going to give you the opportunity of taking equity in the business, and we will become part owners of that business. Now, what does that do for us? Over time, we get dividends from owning that equity. So if we own 20% of a company, and at the end of the year, they've made $100,000 in profit, we get a check for 20 grand because we own 20% of it. If five years from now, they decide to sell, which they're going to sell for maximum value because they're in a in an ecosystem with us. Let's say they they sell for a million dollars. I'm going to get a check for $200,000 because I own 20% of it. So that's how I benefit. And so there that's that's how you can um, own and and op, own and uh, equity in lots and lots of different businesses without having to run any of them on your own. Um, now some people do like to have their their you know Elon Musk is one that you know, like him or hate him as an entrepreneur, you have to, you have to, you know, study what he does, because he's one of the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. And he literally operates as the CEO, multiple businesses, right? He's, he's got Twitter or X, and he's got the boring company. And of course, he's got Tesla, and then he's got SpaceX. And he is actually the CEO of all the well, I think he actually handed off the reins of Twitter. But anyway, he's, he's still running the place. Let's be real. So, you know, do do you want to be the kind of person who's running four or five individual businesses on your own? Maybe you do. And if you do, great, go for it, make it happen. Most people, that's too much. Most human beings can't make that happen. So you got to look at ways to leverage that either. You know, if you want to have a business, 
that uh, you don't want to operate, then somebody else will have to operate it. So either you take a minority stake so that the owner stays on, or you bring in your own trusted uh, operator to run that business so that you don't have to. Now, you might take it over for six months to a year. You do all the things that you know how to do and put your um, magic behind it and get the get the momentum going, but then you bring in a new managing operator or general manager or president, let them operate it, and then you go on and keep doing that over and over. Cool. Before I tell people where they can find you, I want to take a moment and hear from our other sponsor, Automation Booster, and we'll be right back. Is your business on autopilot yet? Do you have automation in place to capture, nurture, and convert prospects into clients via email, SMS, ringless voicemails, appointment setting? Get all the inbound and outbound marketing tools in one place. Go to marketingboostsolutions.com for more on automating your business so you can make money while you sleep. Welcome back to the Marketing Boost Solutions podcast. You just heard from Automation Booster. Folks, if you're using Marketing Boost, you've got the incentives. Now you're looking, now what? Well, Automation Booster might be your next step. We help you with the CRM, the automation, the platform to automate incentives, delivering your outbound and inbound marketing tools for email, text messaging, voicemail, broadcasting. All can be found at marketingboostsolutions.com. Click over there to Automation Booster and learn how uh, we can help you build and support your your clients with a proper CRM. We're back with Marty here talking about acquisition, building business, owning uh, part equity, bringing your magic sauce to different companies and having and building your empire. Marty, a uh, phenomenal conversation we're having so far today. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm taking some notes as well. Uh, <laughs> let's take a quick look at where people can find you. Let me share my screen and... Uh, Talk, tell, tell us about your website here, what you offer, and uh, where they can, you know. Okay, so you've got Westbound Road up. So that's our mergers and acquisitions advisory firm. So um, we uh, it's at westboundroad.com. Obviously, we can uh, work with people to help get their businesses ready to sell. Again, it could be two years from now, three years from now, or it could be day after tomorrow. Um, we work let on me, the let, buy. Let, let, let me stop you there just for a quick second. So if I wanted to... Uh, get ready to sell two years from now, for example. Uh, I guess I, I'm hiring you to guide me through that process for a certain amount of, you know, relative, you know some fees of some sort. Right. And and generally, we're going to take um, uh, take that in in mostly equity. We're going to roll the dice with you. You you, you tell us you want to sell two years from now or three years from now. Um, you know, we can work our fees so that, again, just enough to keep the lights on. But the rest, we will we will roll the dice with you and we will put our money where our mouth is. And um, we will take the majority of our compensation for our advisory services in the uh, in, in the equity so that we have to make sure your business is profitable and we have to make sure your business sells for a lot of money to make it worth our while. So then that's where your guidance is going to be ongoing and helping me stage my business, build my business, uh, your agency, maybe for marketing my business and so on. Exactly. Now, the number one question people contact us for is, what's my business worth? Everybody wants to know what's my business worth. And um, uh, so, like I said, I, I gave some do-it-yourself ways of going and finding that information out by yourself. If that's the only question you want to know right now, and we help you with that, obviously, that's just a, a small flat fee uh, just to, to pay our research team to put all that information together. But for actual long-term advisory, we work out a really great structure that uh, most of our clients are quite happy with because uh, they know that they're going to make way more money uh, having us on the team than than if they were trying to do it themselves. Powerful. Powerful. So everything from buying a business to selling your business and uh, the guidance you give them to help them find that proper business that would be a good match to grow either up and down the food chain, as you mentioned, or exactly acquiring a competitor and so on and helping you do that uh, for the, the least amount of money if you're buying and the uh, most amount of money if you're selling. There you go. <laughs> well, you're, you're, I'll have to hire you as my copywriter. <laughs> Simplifying, right? Um, and then the other place to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn and um, uh, highly encourage uh, anybody listening to go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn. We 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 post uh, pretty uh, regular content there with regard to all of these topics, and you can you can learn a lot just by following my feed there. So, 
cool. We will post those links uh, down below in the notes, either on the podcast or the YouTube channel. So please look below, check the links to reach Marty directly and uh, follow him, follow his podcast, his LinkedIn, and get continue to, to learn how to grow your business and acquire through acquisition, etc. Marty, it's been phenomenal and fun talking to you. Folks, if you've liked the content we brought you today, please comment below, like, share, and subscribe. And do us that favor of commenting or giving us a review on the podcast. We'd really appreciate that. And share this with others. I mean, I thought this conversation was 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 great and uh, of value. If you thought so, please subscribe, share, and comment below. Marty, any last word? What part of the country are you coming to us from to start with? Just I am smack dab you. in the middle of the country in Kansas City, home of the Chiefs. How about that? And, uh, well, again, it's been a pleasure one last time. Do you have any final words of wisdom for anybody there looking to uh, buy or sell? I think the, the last word I would want to say is think bigger. You know, one of the things that I always want to do when I do an interview like this is to inspire. Even if you never call me, even if we never do business, I want to know that I inspired you to think bigger, do more, make everything you can out of your business and out of your life. And uh, that's what I hope to accomplish. So thank you very much for having me, Marco. I really appreciate uh, the time. No, absolutely. One of the takeaways that I've got from this call, whether I was planning on selling a business or not, and I think anybody listening should be in the same boat here, go back and listen again to the idea of building your business with the intention of selling it as if you were intending to sell your business, whether you really intend to sell it or not. But if you're building your business with the intentions of it being attractive to somebody else to buy it, then you would be setting up you would have a clean house, you would have clean books, you would have your building painted, you would have the interiors clean, you would have shiny floors if it was a, a brick and mortar, if it was a, you would be preparing your business, which in the end of the day means you're going to have the, your staff uh, taking care of things and setting it up so that you can actually enjoy your business and, and live, you know, retire with your business versus versus working 80 hours a week as we talked about in some of those examples and i'll so, tell you follow that advice and you're going to be a much happier business owner thanks for listening to another episode of marketing booth solutions podcast with your hosts captain marco torres now it's on you take the next step now go to marketingboothsolutions.com for more on how you can wow delight and surprise your clients with the most amazing draw card on the planet so stay thirsty my friends stay thirsty for knowledge see you next time